0: You've, uh, you've been invited as a church family to join us in memorizing scripture each week on Mondays we're posting them and inviting you to join us and this week um, I know some of you joined me in memorizing Hebrews four twelve. 12 it's about the word the word that's alive and active that's powerful um, it's more powerful than any double-edged sword it's able to discern and judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart it cuts deep like joints bones marrow deep deep stuff praying that for you today praying that for us that the word would have its effect we're on the cusp of uh, a holiday and a lot of festivities and football and hunting and traveling and such but you're here today and I pray just like we did in the first service that no trip to God's house this morning would be wasted that every life would be blessed father would you do just that let your word have its effect in us and you told parables you told stories that told were told over 2,000 years ago that stand with us today about the soil of our hearts and when it's thorny worry can choke out the word and i pray today as we hear it word on word that it would fall on some good soil in this room That some lives would be changed, that what we do this morning would not be in vain in any way, in Jesus, Amen. You may be seated. Well, in the first service, someone said, "Hey, Robert, uh, you were you were off last week," and I was actually not off. I was out. There is a difference. I preached at another church, and it was far from off. I had to study for a a new sermon that I wrote. I had to get up really early because I had to drive almost three hours. Uh, to to this place, and when I got, I left uh, Jackson, left Fondren here and, in the early morning, like a f- little bit after 5 a.m., and it was dark, and it was very cold. There was frost on the ground. It was 33 uh, degrees. It looked, it looked wintry, and the morning DJ told me that I would be traveling through patchy, dense fog in low-lying areas. You ever notice they always say that? Like, some, I, I just think somebody's, you know, everybody, some, there was a time a long time ago when someone thought that through. They said patchy dense fog and low lying areas and now everybody lifts them everybody lifts from him and says that uh, all the time we're in a series called your future self will thank you and we have acknowledged that no one yet has invented a time machine so we can't travel back and tell ourselves from yesteryear the things we should do to straighten out and to make better decisions so the question that's pertinent to every life is what values do we need to embrace today that would allow our future self to say hey no regrets you did well. We've been looking at some cool things. Last week when I was uh, out but not off, Daniel and Carly Wagner took the stage. They were in a, uh, on a couch with some guests and talked about compassion and did a great job. And uh, Lauren and I are proving in November, as we have in other months, that we're not needed here, that we have depth. Uh, Micah, thank you for leading in music and uh, Daniel and Carly last week. Uh, we're going to talk today, and I'm going I'm to start with a statement. And I want you to respond. We normally don't do this. 930 did really well, no pressure. But I want you to talk back to me, okay? And so I want you to, if you agree with this, I don't want you to say amen, because that's kind of churchy. We don't want to be churchy. So I I want you to come up. I want you to choose a phrase. That's right, come on or preach it, okay? So one of the, if you agree, if if you agree with me, say that's right, come on or preach it. I want you to say it loud enough, robust enough that the people at home will hear me. If you agree, they'll hear you, okay? So think about it, what, 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 phrase have you chosen. That's right. Come on, preach it, and say it out loud, really loud. Okay, here's the statement, and you tell me. Worry is not my friend. Right. All right. One more time. I like this. Look, we're, we're becoming a different church. Presbyterians are really nervous now. <laughs> Worry is not my friend. Okay, wow. Some of y'all are yelling at me here. Some of you are venting. You're venting. That's what you're doing. You're not just participating. You're venting. Worry Is not my friend. It steals joy. It chokes out life. Long before Psalm thirty-seven said, "Do not fret," or Philippians four said, "Do not be anxious," or Jesus said in Matthew six, "Do not worry." Long before that, uh, or let me say, long long ago, they said that. And now you think that we have what they didn't have. We have screens. And you think about that. Do not fret. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. And now we have screens. And let me remind you that on the other side of the screen that you look at, on average, seven hours per day, on the other side of that screen, there are people who are paid to produce worst case scenarios. And that adds to our anxiety. And let me also share in church, every follower of Jesus, we should band together with this because we are the answer we are the antidote for our world today but every every research indicates on that has to do with social standing and social connection that we're having less and less a robust web of relationships and social support and then when it comes to this subject of worry which is not my friend when we do what we should never do you should never worry alone, but yet we do. Yesterday, Susan saw my furrowed brow and a little bit of pain in my posture. She said, Robert, what are you worried about? I said, well, I'm, yeah, I'm working on this sermon. She said, what's it about? I said, it's that sermon where Jesus tells everybody they should never worry. She goes, wait, wait, wait. You're worried about standing up there and telling everyone they should never worry. And I said to her, yeah, what, what are you getting at? Matthew chapter 6 is our passage, and I want us to turn there. Matthew 6, we'll put it up on the screen in just a minute. If you want to turn, a lot of you bring your Bibles. You can access a Bible in front of you. We are going to read, as is our custom, from the ESV. We'll read Matthew chapter six, twenty-five to 34, I believe, is the, the numbers. Before we get there, um, worry can be, um, you can be in one of two camps, generally speaking. worry can be like this it can be doomsday scenario it can be the fable adopted from chicken little uh, the maxima doctor the sky is falling it can be that or it can be kind of on the other end maybe uh, it's not doomsday for you maybe you have not had a succession of unfavorable circumstances where you're about ready to say the sky is falling, it's over, uh, you know, a step before maybe despondency or even despair. But maybe for you, you're on a string of what you may call good luck or favorable circumstances. And you ever have that feeling, you're a natural worrier if you have that feeling of of like the bubble's going to burst. Or one uh, corollary cliche is the other shoe is about to drop. You ever said that or thought that or heard someone speak that? Like things are going really well, but the other shoe's about to drop. The bubble is about to burst. You know, it's going to happen. Now, you are a natural worrier. So I wonder where you are. I, I text 15 to 20 of my friends this week. I targeted some of you. And I said, fill in the blankets for my sermon Sunday. I won't share your name or will I? And I, I just said, hey, fill in the blank for me so I can share with our congregation. When I worry, I dot, dot, dot. Here's what my friend said. I am less productive at work. I'm less present in the moment. I'm less sensitive to others. I can't concentrate or make decisions. And something really dangerous, y'all, I retreat to places I should never go. When I worry. What do you do when you worry? My wife caught me, okay, so let's all, the, the, the ground is level. At the foot of the cross. My wife caught me worrying about preaching a sermon on worry. But what about you, when you worry, what's known about you? What's true about you? How is it expressed? So this morning, let this be the bedrock from where we go and what you'll take with you. Two, two truisms that I want you to embrace today. The first is this, that Jesus hates worry. That's kind of the hard part of the message. Jesus hates worry, but he loves worriers. Jesus hates worry because he hates what it does to you he hates how it makes us small and timid and weak and petty how it chokes out our dreams and steals our joy and steals days from us hour after hour it steals days from us jesus hates worry but jesus loves worriers And I hope today that you won't feel like we're piling on or pouncing on you, pumbling you with another load of church guilt. Question, is worry a sin? It's easy. Any black and white thinker is going to say, yes, Jesus says, don't worry. You worry. That's disobedience. That's a sin. Close the book. Go home. But stay with me for just a second. I want want to add a little bit of nuance to this, um, some complexity that we may not consider on the surface. Plenty of us, well, all of us sin. And many times over, our sin can be act of rebellion. It can be defiance where we say, God, I'm going to defy you through my greed, my lust, my pride, my deceit. But I've never not once ever known anyone to say, God, I'm going to defy you by living this day with chronic anxiety, panic, and despair. Not once have I known anybody to do that. And so the question, is worry a sin? When you worry, you, you can sin in your worry, but is all worry a sin? We come to this passage. Jesus hates worry but he loves warriors. I hope you hear the compassion in Jesus beyond the commands, and let's read it together. Matthew 6, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, pagans, the heathen, the world, they seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I hope you see the command of Jesus, but I hope you see an invitation from Jesus and ultimately see his compassion directed toward you. Today is not about add to your guilt. I want to give you three principles from this passage and we'll scope out a little bit from the Gospel of Matthew. We've been in Matthew a lot. Anybody notice we did a sermon called Repeat After Me where we were in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. We, we did a sermon, a series called Reconsider, where we looked at a part of um, the sermon on the mount from matthew and this series here we are back today and at least in this one where we're we're in matthew and so i want to i want to take three principles three invitations that jesus gives us and the first is this to look at the birds to look at the birds and you saw where he went with this to look with intent to learn from them Years ago, when we were younger, the kids were little, we were out west, and we were in a minivan. It's hard to be a man in a minivan. Some of you know the pain. But I had a minivan at the time we were driving, and we stopped on a long road trip, and we noticed some Canadian geese, I think they were. So there were two adults and tenish, yellow, tiny, fuzzy little goslin. And Susan observed in our stop, she, she said, well, well look, the, the babies and the daddy are eating while the mother uh, gives watch over them. And I should have just let it go. Nice observation. She, she did what Jesus said, looked at the birds. But I came back with a, well, how do you know it's the mommy? I mean, it could be the daddy. And then I you know, added to it. I said, you don't know anything about geese. And she said, well, it's the same in every species. The mom gives of herself, sacrifices her well-being for the good of the family, and the dad stuffs his face. And I thought on this family road trip, what what are we now talking about? And what has entered this van? And so, it was really a gift from God, the one the adult uh, that was eating started watching and the adult that was watching started eating. They switched places. It was a Holy Spirit moment. And then they both both adults just started eating. And neither were watching. And we looked at the birds and we noticed nature. We noticed the care. We noticed how God delights in his creation. Look at the birds. And I know it's so easy today to say, well, preacher, you know, I can't say this at church. But if I was in a small group or if I was on your couch in your office, I would say this. I don't feel like God is caring for me. I don't feel like. He cares for me or I'm seeing his care. I'm seeing his feeding me and protecting me and providing for me. I don't really sense that in my life right now. And so my question to you, Jesus asked questions. You and I would do better when we ask questions to people. I would ask you, what would it take for you to say, this is the day that the Lord has made and that he's good? What what would it take for you to say, come on, that's right, preach it. When you hear the words of Jesus from Matthew 6 what would it take? I've got a friend named Tommy and years ago, 25-ish years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer and he went through very difficult chemo treatment. None of it is sweet and syrupy, right? Some of you know. He went through this really hard on him and there was a victory day. There was a a ringing of the bell and a pronouncement and he went back for a checkup and they brought out the lab results and said that the cancer had returned in full force. And, of course, he was grief-stricken, and he went home, and the next day, the hospital calls. He's a doctor. Tommy's a doctor, my friend. The hospital calls him and said, a rookie lab technician had switched, and he was wrong, and you're cancer-free. Hey, do you? They knew Tommy professionally. They said, hey, do you want us to call the lab technician in, and you can come and curse him out? And, my friend and Tommy said, curse him. I want to kiss him. That was like Tommy's best day. Now, what happened to him outwardly? Remember the question I ask you based on Jesus' claim to care for you. What would it take for you to say he does care for me? He is watching over me. This is the day the Lord has made. What would it take for you to say that for Tommy? That was his best day. It was his best day not because something extraordinary happened to him. He didn't win the lottery. He didn't amass a fortune. He didn't get a promotion. He didn't get this he just had another day. He got entirely good news on his report. And so you see, usual to him was no longer usual. Ordinary for Tommy was no longer ordinary. Oh, he would get up in the morning, every morning, and He would eat at the same breakfast table and kiss the same wife goodbye and get in the same car and drive it to the same old office job at the hospital. He would do that. He would return home and sit at the same dinner table and hang out and do some of the same hobbies and crafts and such. He would do all the same things, but usual was no longer usual. Ordinary was no longer ordinary. He was more attuned and appreciative of the moment. Look at the birds. And look and see that God cares for you. The second thing that I want to share with you is to seek first his kingdom. What is the invitation that Jesus gives? Here's the invitation that he gives. If you want today, today you want to say, you know what? I want to start a new beginning. I, want, I don't want worry to have the hold on me that it's had. What would you need to do? Here's the invitation that Jesus gives. The invitation It really isn't do not worry. Because you know what that does? It crushes. Do not worry crushes the soul. The invitation is to seek first his kingdom. In other words, arrange your life to get in with the good plan of God. What is God doing? What does God desire? I want that to be what my life is about. I want to study God. I want to love God. I want to think about God. I want to surrender to God. I want to follow God. I want to wake up with God. I want to I end my day with him and trust him with my sleep at night. I want to pray continually. I want him to, I want to set my affections on things above. I want to seek first his kingdom. And that's an entirely different invitation. Because here's what doesn't work. Let me be let me be blunt. If it's your kingdom, then and do not worry will crush you. But if you're living in God's kingdom, do not worry is a really good invitation. And can I tell you from experience, and I'm I'm around a couple of people who are natural warriors and I love them with all my heart, but I have seen them take hold of victory. I have seen them see this become less of a hold in their lives. Seminary class years ago, uh, J.P. Moreland was one of my professors. It was an honor to study from him. And he gave, he gave something I want to talk to you about this morning related uh, to uh, the intersection of our lives and how we're made. This is Jesus, our creator, saying to us, look at the creation. And he, he talks about how we have a past and we have a future. Now, all of us, this is true about all, all creatures, all of us are creatures, and we all live in time and we occupy space. Both things are you live in time, and you occupy space. You have a past, and you have a future. Everybody has a past, and everybody has a future. Look at the person next to you and say, you have a past. Say it with a little bit of punch, a little bit of judgment, maybe. You have a past. If you're across the aisle, look over, say it loud enough. You have a past. Now, this will be fun. Look back at them and say, I know what you did last summer. (laughs) Here's the thing. You have a past. You have a past. And it can be filled with either gratitude or regret. It's kind of the essence of this series, your future self will thank you. You look back on your past with either gratitude or regret. Now it's more complex than that. There's more subtlety to it. But generally speaking, gratitude or regret, your future, we're all pulled to a future. I still remember when I was a little boy and I heard John Lennon sing Imagine for the first time. Funny the memories that, come back and I just I remember the the goosebumps and the feeling I'm like man mom dad I love the Beatles and I remember John Lennon I remember the feeling that I had I was too young to understand that he was setting out a worldview that was uh involved fatalism and nihilism but imagine imagine this future and he wanted you to imagine a future that he wanted to imagine but what's true of all of us is you are built to imagine a future It's deep in you. In fact, I'm going to tell you in a minute what Jesus told you. Don't worry about the future. Don't be pulled to the future. Because we either pull to the future, just like with the past, you either look at it with gratitude or regret. The future, it's either hope or fear. In fact, one of the most Googled verses, it's in the top three most Googled verses in the world today, is Jeremiah 29 and God's plans that you would have a future. That's in you. We we must have thoughts of a good future. It, it, it's in us. So our past and our future, the hope, hope or fear, hope or fear. Now we live in time, but we also occupy a space. Back to J.P. Moreland. There's an inner world. Here's a space, your inner world. The other space is your outer world. Your inner world are your thoughts. What are you thinking right now? Say it out loud. This sermon is good. Is that what everybody's saying? Your thoughts, your intentions. I'm coming back next week. Your desires, your ambitions. All these things are so real and it's a part of your inner world. Think of Philippians 4, a top 10 most Googled verse. It talks about a peace. Do any of you know this? It's a, it's a privilege of being a pastor to walk with some of you in very difficult circumstances and to say, here is this tragedy that has befallen me, but let me tell you about this peace. And Philippians 4 says it's a peace that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, an inner world where we dwell with peace and there's an outer world. And think, think nature, think objects, but especially think people. And so to put it together, Inner world, here's the idea, that we would dwell in peace. That outer world, the space that we occupy, that we would engage with love, that we would engage everybody with love, that we would do it even on social media. We would do it even with our enemies. We would engage with love everybody. We would love neighbor. We would love enemies. We would look at everybody and see the inherent dignity and value that they have no matter their political stance, no matter what they look like. And we would engage the world with love. Our past, we would remember it with gratitude. And our future, we would anticipate it with hope. So look at the birds. Seek first the kingdom. Now here's the thing I want to say to you. I want to lean on you a little bit. Because when you hear a sermon, you open up the Word. You're reading a book. You're pursuing a devotional life that is rich and meaningful. Even watching a TED talk, you need to think: What's the application? What's the idea? What, what's the take-home value? And to think meaningfully uh, about that, you need to think: Do I need to? Is there a minor change or moderate change I need to make, or is there a major shift? And I want to say to this: the seek first the kingdom thing is a major shift, because here's how. In our flesh, here's how we live. In our flesh, we wake up and we live our day according to our schedule and our calendar. And it's our money and it's our hopes and it's our plans and it's our car and it's our everything. Oh, and, and it's, the, it's my kingdom. And I got a little room for Jesus. So there's a major shift that many of us need to make where it's a whole different kingdom. And that's the kingdom that I'm seeking first. And can I tell you, when you do that, your worries shift. And they don't hold you like they used to hold you. So look at the birds. Seek first the kingdom. And lastly, Jesus invites us to give us, to pray this prayer, to give us this day our daily bread. The USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, estimates that the average American, and we ain't going to talk about Mississippi, but the average American eats 1,996 pounds a year. Uh, Anybody been to Mama Hamels? Your numbers go up a little bit. Yeah, there's Andrew. Yep, Mama Hamels. 1,996 pounds. So let's say that you were called into a room, a really big room, and all those pounds of food that you would eat over a lifetime, over a lifetime, not just that year, but over a lifetime were in the room, and you were challenged to eat that food in that sitting. There would be, you know, 40, 142,000 pounds of butter, fat, and sugar. There would be, you know, 60,000 pounds of beef and poultry. There would be 200,000 pounds of dairy. There would, you know, all this would be in front of you. And you were told to eat it all, eat up, eat it all now. You would be overwhelmed. You would not be able to do it. But yet, let me just say for a second, stay with me in the space-time continuum. You actually do it. You do that. But how do you do it? you do it one day at a time how will you face the heartache in your future how will you handle the disappointments that are come going to come your way how are you going to deal with the problems how are you going to encounter the setbacks that come your way listen this is for your joy and sanity you will do that one day at a time and can i say something you better one day at a time. And the scripture, the writers of scripture were pretty clear about this day-to-day thing. The writers of scripture, I mean, early on, God, um, he took the people through the wilderness. A place they didn't want to be in, but he and he, he, he led them. A fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day, a manna from heaven every day. And there weren't barns and they, there wasn't storage. It was a daily feeding from God and Jesus said pray give us this day our daily bread Lamentations 3 says that your mercies are new every morning day by day how will you handle it all one day at a time hard for some of us because we're so pulled into the future and Jesus is saying now some balance okay It's good to long for the future. It's good to have the imagination. It's good for us to have the expression, I love this. Like if you you haven't said this recently, I can't wait. Something's wrong. Have you been able to say, man, I can't wait. Like that's a good thing. But when you're pulled into the future without hope and riddled with fear, you're trying to take too many days. And can I tell you, one day at a time. One day. And that's how you do it. I read a book a few months back called A Deeply Formed Life. And he says this. He says it's quite possible to to say thank you 50 times a day but not have a life marked by gratitude. Gratitude is about discerning the gifts that are present before us. It also entails the steadfast refusal to order one's life around comparing, complaining, and coveting. I want to just leave that up there for a second because it's like really good. All right? I'll get nervous when it gets silent. Some of you are that way. I, I work with some folks that are good at thank you notes. I envy them. I just got terrible handwriting. So if I haven't said thank you for something nice you've done, thank you. With a couple of my friends, they, just, they write thank you notes. But you, know, you can write thank you notes and not be a person of gratitude. You, you can say, and some of you are like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You can say I'm sorry all the time. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hey, sorry, sorry. Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And you don't, you're not necessarily a person of confession or repentance. But a deep life, the words I would pull from here, discerning. And then the other two words, steadfast refusal. No one's going to sign up for being a complainer. No, one's gonna, no one wants to compare because we're all smart enough to know, man, you could be having a really good day. You could have a blessing in your life, and then you look at Instagram, and it's stolen immediately. Just like that, just like that. Anybody ever done that to you? In, point at them if they're in the room. Just point them out. Just say, man, you, you stole, stole my joy. Caused me to worry. Comparing, complaining, coveting, that's a biblical word that we don't use. You want someone else's stuff. Man, these all go together. But here's the thing. It, you have an idea that you don't want to compare, you don't want to complain, you don't want to covet. Like everybody, that's, Those are all noble. No one's going to stand up and go, I defy that. But who in here has a steadfast refusal? Like I don't want that to be a part of my life. That means you have a boundary. A steadfast refusal is you're serious about it because you know what it can do to you. So as Micah and the team begin to make their way up, as we round toward home, we're going to sing, we're going to pray, we're going to get. But I want to um, I want to ask you this question. Here it is: two words that are and underlined and Jesus used them both in Matthew 6 what would your life look like if you trusted God with your tomorrow and did all you could today I know we're tapping into the inner world but let him Let him reign supreme. Invite him into your inner world. It's so easy to manage our image and think about the outer world. But it's the inner world that reflects who you are. Whether you flourish or languish. Whether you possess life and give life. Or whether you take whether the good blessings of life will be choked out from you. Another favorite writer of mine used the expression, used the words, the reality. He calls it a redemptive twist. And a redemptive twist, we have testimonies around the room for people that have been walking with Jesus who have a rich life of following him, who surrender, and take him at his word. But redemptive twist is when It's those seasons of life when it was very difficult. Yet, it's the very seasons that brought community and connection and blessing and meaning and growth that you never would have found without walking through that. So here's the thing. Here's what Jesus didn't say. Y'all stand. I am really am. I'm going to be quiet. Jesus didn't say, let's get this one right. Jesus did not say, don't worry about tomorrow. Because not a lot of bad stuff's gonna happen tomorrow. He didn't say that. We want him to. In fact, you know who's more prone to believe that? It's not the irreligious person. It's not the strident skeptic. It's not the person who doesn't. It, you know, it's the religious person. It's you and I. It's, I. I grew up in the church and I've heard some preaching and, you know, I'm, they're slick preachers and blah, 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 you know. And uh, and we we tend to buy into this life, even though we say it often. Like, you know, Jesus, you know, I. I, I Came to church. I dropped some money in the plate. I had a warm fuzzy feeling. I made a commitment, and now he—he he really is going to help me not worry through not giving me stuff that I have to worry about. He's going to bless me, and that's a really poor strategy for life. I will not worry if a lot of bad things. I'm going to arrange my life where a lot of bad things don't happen. Now, don't be foolish, but think about that it, it humbles all of us, even with wealth, even with connection, even with influence. You can't control most of the outcomes and you can't control the future. So here's what Jesus said. I told you what he didn't say. Here's what Jesus said. Do not worry about tomorrow. You're gonna to have trouble today. But don't worry about tomorrow because what's tomorrow? What's today? What Jesus promised today? Jesus promised trouble. What about tomorrow? Jesus promised trouble. It's almost like right the, I mean, it's, it's almost a Bible verse. Trouble today, trouble tomorrow. Put that on a bumper sticker. Trouble today, trouble tomorrow because we forget it if you're really faithful if you're like doing things to earn god's approval bad life strategy he already loves you that's not the way to approach anxiety and the way to approach anxiety is not jesus commands us to do not worry Um, because you got all this stuff to worry about Jesus commands us and invites us to seek first his kingdom. And I'm telling you it's true. And I'm telling you it's free. And I got plenty to worry about. I got stuff waiting on me to worry about. Trouble today. Trouble tomorrow. But look at the birds. Seek first his kingdom. And God, give us... Past, future. Inner world, outer world. Past, remember with gratitude. Future, anticipate with hope. Inner world, dwell in peace. Outer world, love people well. But in the middle of that is this cross. And at the center of the cross, Jesus has said to us today, the word now. Right now now is the word and now where he is where he wants you to live let me pray for us father for some it's super painful today the regrets of the past for some it could be being found out for some it's they're known but it hurts there's wounds and scars that they carry For others, it's the future. It's just this pull and it's just gravitational and it's so strong. And it's just laden with fear. God, would you minister to us? Lord, we are creatures. You're the creator. And as creatures, we are, we live in time and we occupy space. And God, would you give us the moment? Would you? pull us toward the moment to know that you blot out our transgressions, you forgive our sins you handle our past and you await us in the future and your presence your reality is greater than the trouble today and the trouble tomorrow bless these tithes and offerings bless us as we seek you in prayer in these moments I pray that we would be present in this room that we would offer to you and Jesus you come today as we sing uh, we'll have a few of us down front it will be our privilege to pray for you you can kneel uh, you can pray where you are uh, but don't waste this moment let's seek him before we go